This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. We do, we do, Does anyone here know the lyrics? Prove it! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Toodle pip, everybody, and welcome to our recap of Bridgerton. We're in season two now. It's episode three, and we have a bee in our bonnets to talk about this episode. A bee in your bonnet. The Dark Walk is here. Sasha Joseph, how are you? So good. Again, we said this last time, but thank God for rewatching because... This was like my favorite episode and I think it might be my favorite episode of the whole lot because of Paul Mall. Uh, but such a fun time. I can't wait to get to talking with y'all. Wonderful. And we also have Geneva Guadalupe. Geneva, how are you? I'm good. I would not want to be in my bonnet um, personally, uh, <laughs> but um, so I, I can see why, you know, Anthony is not a, not a fan of it either. Um, but what I can say is, uh, similar to Sasha, I really love um, watching these episodes individually. I think that this rewatch is really, uh, you know, especially when I think less about, oh, how does this compare to what I've read? Um, it's been, you know, enjoyable. And I think this episode is uh, probably my favorite. I mean, like, yes, last episode was really good, but I think this episode will probably be my favorite throughout this entire season as well and oh, wonderful um, yeah so yeah. i think it'll be a good one to talk about and kirsten mckinnis she has knocked her pal mal ball into the bushes she's gone off to find it and we'll see if she can join us by the end of the episode i think she might be stuck in the mud oh uh, no we'll miss you 
<laughs> so, yes, it's the fabled Pall Mall episode. There's certainly, it's not exactly how it is in the books, but I know we've been looking forward to this game, taking balls and whacking them with our mallets. Uh, but before we get to Aubrey Hall, let's talk about what happened in London during this episode. We, was, we were mostly with the Featheringtons and there was certainly plenty to do in the drawing room at the Featheringtons. So uh, Lady Featherington says they're going to go to Aubrey Hall, the country seat of the Bridgertons. They have much to do and they must uh, go to the Modiste. Uh, Penelope's startled and we remember that uh, Madame Delacroix caught her in her maid's disguise previously in the last episode. And so, yes, we imagine that perhaps she is not keen to go to the Modiste. Um, Lord Featherington says he's off to White's. And Lady Featherington and Mrs. Varley put their heads together to just to discuss what will happen if Lord Featherington marries uh, someone who comes in and lords it over all of them, and what is to be done to stop that. Any ideas? Well, you know, the cousin, right? Uh, cousin relationship. The fourth cousin. Hello. Hello. <laughs> but he's our cousin, oh, though. My God. All you yeah. need is a fan. If, you know, I were still single, I would hope that for my birthday, you all gift me those fans so I can get a man. Absolutely. It's the way to get a man. So Lady Featherington says they need someone malleable, someone stupid enough not to know better and not to know how to take on a household so that she and Mrs. Varley will continue to rule the household. Where on earth are they going to find someone just like that? Ooh, maybe uh, Prudence, potentially. Maybe Prudence. Maybe This family is so embarrassing. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. Like, I know that you're still explaining the plot, but, like, what the hell is going on with this family? Because, one, they can't stop talking shit about each other. And then second, right, and then there's a whole other child that's just forgotten, like, in Lady Whistledown. (laughs) And... You're literally trying to marry your child, someone you allegedly love, allegedly, to a fourth cousin so you can live a good life. Like, I don't even think it's a great life, like a mediocre life. You know, just it's having weird. some dinners and balls, you know, um, that's that's the and life. Some boiled potatoes. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> hell? This is the life at this want. point, they'll have more boiled potatoes now that... Uh, Lord uh, Featherington is around, but maybe some venison, perhaps if you, mm. if you have a ta- if you have a taste. Uh, deer don't come off very well in this episode, as we'll as we'll see later. So yeah, I mean, it's this strange idea of marriage as a transaction, and because it's a romantic um, book, it's a romantic story. We understand that everybody wants love and wants a love match. But in fact, marriage for until quite recently was a transaction. And Lady Featherington is certainly seeing her daughter Prudence as a transaction piece uh, because Prudence is not the brightest spark. She's certainly malleable, which is what uh, what uh, Portia is after. Yeah. yeah, the edit was so funny because they're just like, oh, who can we get that's malleable? And, you know, so everyone's like, oh, maybe they're going to bring in someone. Maybe there's another, you know, young woman that's kind of down on her luck. 
And then enters Prudence. Like, oh, my God. How can you do that to that poor child? And she's already talking about, I want to move into Philippa's room. Um, well, you, maybe you can room into, move into another room. Um, the main. You, uh, the you, know, um, you know, maybe she would have the authority to host these dinners and balls and be the envy of all her friends. Yeah. And then her mother, of course, behind the scenes would still be in charge. And, you know, you know, I do have a soft spot for Portia, especially her matching mm-hmm. floral gloves to her floral uh, shiny dresses that you have. But look, Sasha, I'd like you to know that it's very regal to marry your cousin. Oh, I'm sure that's how they <laughs> kept the bloodlines going. I mean, just look at that royal family, right? Yep. Don't have to tell me twice about colonizing stuff, but <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> This is not Um, Alabama or Oklahoma, where I'm from. You know, no, I'm just kidding. But still, it's just, well, I mean, it isn't. They are coming off as so desperate. But that's the question. Maybe, and this is my question for the listeners Would you marry your fourth cousin or let Cressida be your new person in charge? Oh my gosh, that's a terrible would you rather. That's what they're into. I would rather, well, you know, I'm very fond of Cressida, but I also think Cressida is very malleable in that if you got on her good side and flattered her and told her everything that she wanted to hear, uh, you could have quite a nice time. I mean, it would be a bit exhausting to always be praising her and always looking up to her and always letting her have her way, but you could find a nice little corner and, and have your own life rather than marrying your cousin or the children. Oh, the children, all those chins that'd go missing. <sighs> Rolls my eyes. But you <laughs> like Cressida. That's where I can't get over. It. Oh, <laughs> if only she was more likable to me than maybe. You but... should open your heart to Miss Cowper. No. <laughs> mm. So they're, they're at the Modiste. A lot of things are going to happen here plot-wise. But rather amusingly, uh, Lady Featherington wants Prudence's bust to be lower in her new gown. Madame Delacroix is uh, objecting because of the design of the dress. Uh, shouldn't allow for this. And uh, Lady Featherington says, right, well, we'll just go to the modiste, the new modiste across the street. And uh, this is going to come into play later. Um, This leaves Penelope alone with Madame Delacroix, a situation that we feel she didn't actually want. She starts cautiously. She says she likes the design, but they come pretty quickly to the fact that Madame Delacroix saw Penelope but she has absolutely no interest in telling on her. Uh, And this, I think, is the budding of a a new relationship. Yes, hashtag girl boss, but in a good way. Like, I don't mean it in in where we are now, but I love this because remember last season we thought it was Madame Delacroix. So Mm -hmm. now I'm like, were y'all just like breadcrumbing me in a good way that now you're like, oh, here it is. They are together. And it is going to happen. Yeah, it's a it's a consolation prize. You know, she she ends up working with, you know, Lady Whistledown. So I think that it's, you know, cool. And it, and we, you know, we kind of see later also on in the episode that it, it is a benefit to Madame Delacroix in terms of helping, uh, you know, Penelope. So it, it brings her some business. So that's definitely yeah. Fun. I mean, she's smart, and we we admire her. Eloise certainly admires her, a businesswoman uh, on her own. The mystery that we 
haven't solved yet is why she doesn't want to see Benedict anymore. And as you know, I'm rather fond of Benedict, uh, who has his own little journey this episode. So I'm hoping that we get to we get to that because I, I liked that relationship for them. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting that I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, no. But I don't know if it's just more, I guess, they were like, okay, we just kind of wanted to do that for like a short-term season thing and have her focus on her and her own business and not make that her storyline. Um, but I'm not sure or if they're just trying to, you know, set up Benedict for his future storyline. Um, you know, it was it was kind of a abrupt, I feel like, ending when she kind of, re- you know, rejected him. Yeah. I mean, I like the bohemian um, pairing of them um, and the non-conventional pairing. But, you know, that, that's perhaps just my my bent for, for Benedict. Uh, I yeah. just think that we need what Colin gave Benedict to finish mm-hmm. the rest of the season. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Because- oh my gosh. In the rewatch of that, that was so funny. I was like, Benedict, man, are you all right? Are He's okay? so cute. The memes were precious. Like, usually when, you know, some a character does something, it's like, oh, I can't wait to like use this as like a joke. But Benedict, I'm just like, oh, you're so cute. It was adorable, oh. actually. <laughs> exactly. Was so I was like, that's precious. That's again my fave but i i also can't stop laughing because i know that uh the psr patrons really like this season but maybe a lot of y'all forgot the plot and please again was it this magic elixir that made you forget the plot of the books yeah i think we've all had a little powder in our tea um but going back and watching it as, as you've both said and i agree watching it Simply episode by episode, we are swept up much more into the mm-hmm. minutiae of it. And I think watching it uh, all at once uh, reveals perhaps the plot holes that, that we might quibble with. Uh, I'm not going to quibble with uh, Lady Featherington prompting Prudence to fan her bosom so as to draw a gentleman's attention to it. Uh, she clearly has been to the modiste, the new modiste across the road, and she has a very low cut gown with uh, and her she's in boob jail they're squished and squashed and pushed up very very nicely presented uh lord featherington uh does not so much as glance uh boobwood and uh puts them off in terms of any luck there and just announces that uh he's invited the crest uh, the the cressiders i was going to say cressida the cowpers are coming I like for dinner. That, the cressiders the cressiders are coming for dinner and please get um, some venison on the table immediately. <laughs> yeah, the only thing he seemed interested in was like when they brought up travel and he's like, oh, okay. But then she's like, why? Well, you know, I haven't really traveled that far. So, and my mom says, you know, traveling to this part is just, it's so, it's just kind of like, okay, I, well, why'd you, why'd you bring this up? It's like, oh my God. were these, <sighs> these women weren't allowed to travel, right? Or these young ladies, because they're not women yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, I guess they, they didn't have as much freedom as Colin did. Um, oh, <laughs> Eloise tells us that every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least Philip has found Mr. Finch and they're very, very happy and terribly sweet. But I don't think these girls, the older girls, were encouraged to think, encouraged to read, encouraged to be anything other than a a 
a piece in the uh, chessboard of of this marriage mart. And so I can't. Prudence is not a very attractive, and I don't mean that physically. I just mean sort of mentally. She's not a. She's not someone you're drawn to. Um, but I also would like to point out it's not her fault. You know, <laughs> particularly. God. I actually I quite like her. She thinks she can sing, which is really nice. Um, oh my gosh! Remember so last that, season? Like, yeah. oh, please! Don't oh my do gosh! That to us. When she tried to suggest that she would sing, I was like, "Please no! Please not again! Please not again!" Mm. And in fact, uh, this is at the dinner table, and the entire table hopes that she will not sing. <laughs> I would actually rather hear Cressida sing. So it's just, I, I could not, I could not. Oh, well, Cressida's mama says that uh, she's very accomplished singing and playing the piano for today. Yes. So that's, yeah. So I, I, that would be more music to my ears. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's daggers across the table between Cressida and Prudence. I like that every time Lady Featherington prompts Prudence to say something, she has either a mouthful or she's drinking she's sculling a glass of wine or <laughs> she she has no conversation whereas Cressida is very smoothly uh, flattering she's very particular about herself she's an only child and she stops just short of saying well once you have perfection why would you have another child after me oh I do love her <laughs> no <laughs> she's but that part is she real. has a warm and affectionate disposition apparently ma'am Warm as a wet blanket, maybe. <laughs> like, please stop this. Uh, yeah, By I the know. end of this season, I am going to bring you around to Cressida if it's the last thing I do. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's going to take a long time with that five head. <laughs> oh, oh, not that. <laughs> oh my God. Someone tweeted me that. I said I ruined Cressida for them because I kept <laughs> calling her five head. Whoever you are, come with me. We love Cressida. Hashtag Cressida forever. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I just wasn't a fan of when she's like, you know, I you know, my group is so cool. Eloise, hang out with us. Like, no, you don't need to. You don't need to dog down people like that. When you know, with Penelope, let her hang out with her own friend. So exactly, I so. bullied the bully. Just know that about me. <laughs> I can't wait. Again, the actress does a great job and she makes me hate her. Yeah, which it's means she's doing a good job. The so shout out to her. Shout she's out to beautiful. Cressida. But... It's her hair and makeup department that screwed her. <laughs> yeah, that, that swan neck. I don't know how you can go past it. Yeah, I mean, because she's beautiful, but she also beautiful. she's very long. <laughs> Uh, as a tall girl, I, I feel an affinity for her. Um, so Lord Featherington asks her for a promenade in front of everybody. Uh, this is as good as a declaration of his intention uh, and so ends one of the worst dinner parties you could possibly uh, go to, which included Lord Featherington and Lord Cowper having to lean each side of the candlestick in order to see each other, which I thought was a lovely, a lovely touch. Um, so we hear Lady Whistledown being very shady about the tawdry, dare I say, vulgar gowns sported by Cressida Cowper. So in other words, the new uh, modiste is crass, whereas Madame Delacroix may be old, but at least she is capable. So we know that Penelope has come to the rescue for Madame Delacroix by being rude about the new uh, modiste. She hopes to save Madame Delacroix's um, failing business 
And indeed, when she arrives at the Modiste and they have a chat about what they can do for each other, the bell on the door starts ringing and people start crowding in to come back to uh, Madame Delacroix. Yes, very happy about that. Especially because when Lady Featherington is like, we're taking our services elsewhere, I was like, no, but the dress, the dress on your daughter is stunning. Like, what are you talking about? Crazy. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I was I was quite happy about um, this moment and that, um, you know, that they're now working together and um, that uh, Genevieve is benefiting um, from that potential, uh, you know, partnership that is to develop even more. Yeah, I just so love wanted... the insider trading. You know what I mean? Yes. Very That's much. what oh, yes. I'm here for in many ways, I know. Oh. But it's just, it's like, oh. I see what you did there for her just to save your butt. Like, let's let's be very honest. That's what you're doing. <laughs> I liked the designers here. They gave um, several of the ladies of the ton, including Cressida, these sort of strange, not quite colour blocking, but the the two different fabrics on, on two different halves of the gown to sort of indicate, oh, this is the new modiste and her style. And we do see several of the extras uh, sporting this type of gown so that they give us a visual on um, the difference between the new uh, dressmaker and the old dressmaker, our favourite Genevieve. So I thought they did very well there. Yeah, me too. And I will say I saw subtle differences, but um, it to me either way would have worked. So I that's why I think I really like that it was Lady Whistledown that created this. Yeah, yeah, squashing new business, squashing enterprise, squashing, it's squashing someone trying different. Yes, we giving very it. much capitalism. Yeah, but then the yeah. the funny part was like she's like, you know, did you have to call me old like in order to compliment like me and my wife? <laughs> yeah, and I think it comes up again, right? Where they're like, how could I be whistled out? She called me old. Exactly. <laughs> so she she's really harping on. She's like, that. well, I couldn't be so obvious with my flattery. So it's like, okay, Penelope, if you say so, but <laughs> I think they they have each other's measure, and I like this. I like this relationship um, very much, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Let us say, yes, absolutely. All right, let's go to Aubrey Hall, shall we? This is the country seat of the Bridgertons. Uh, and we start with Teen Anthony. Uh, they've tousled the actor's hair forward and he he behaves in a very sort of wide-eyed teenage way. I mean, you, you have to squint with one eye to think of him as a teenager, but we understand. <laughs> I know. It. I was like, you really <laughs> tried it. <laughs> yeah, they really tried. They really tried. They did their best, I think. I think. They absolutely did their best. And he's very sort of skittish and adoring of his father. And I think... It's the old acting adage, which you would know, Geneva, from being at acting school. How do I mm -hmm. act the king? You don't have to act the king. Everyone else has to treat you as a king. And it's the same way if you treat this actor as if he's a teenage boy of 18. Uh, that helps a very long way towards that characterisation. And a bit of hair tousling uh, goes, goes a long way. Absolutely. So. Anthony is uh, hunting with his father, Edmund. This is the first time we've seen Edmund in a flashback. Uh, please don't kill things, everybody. Um, but um, luckily, Anthony doesn't kill. Uh, he misses the deer and he he wants to know 
how to do it. He wants his father to teach him. He wants to be everything that his father is. And I think this is a very nice setup. And his father says, and I wonder what you, I wonder immediately what, what you two thought of this. Edmund says, you cannot show someone your best without allowing someone to see your worst. Do you think I mean, that's, that's true? Real. Yeah. Yeah, because I think anyone can like me or love me when I'm great, like, right, when I'm funny, when I'm even looks wise, right, when you look your best, anyone can like you probably, um, or at least there'll be one person that'll like you, right, for when you look your best um, and when you act your best, when you're, you know, have your best job, right, all of that, like literally holistically your best Versus when I'm my worst and like in the dumps, that's when I really know that, oh, this is like a ride or die human for me. Yeah, I think people definitely who know you in those moments of, you know, vulnerability or challenge or difficulty are the people that really know you, Um, you know, because I think sometimes I think even like, you know, nowadays, I think there's always perceptions of people just from the positive things that you see and you may have thoughts and opinions about you know those people or you may think that you have that connection with those people but really it takes getting to really know them you know on a, a deeper um surface you know and going be beyond that surface level to really understand a person really develop you know I think a connection or a form of relationship with them yeah I like the sound of that and and here we see an Anthony that's eager and open adores his father, worries what his brothers will think of him, sort of drinking in his father's wisdom. And and I like it. It's an Anthony that we haven't seen before and we are unlikely to see him again except in flashbacks. (laughs) No, I agree because I think this, again, for the book, people that haven't read the book, this is actually what the book starts with. Um, Right. Except that Anthony comes back from school and um, Eloise, I think, has found Edmund dead. And then Daphne's kind of like in the middle of their house, you know, just shocked. So Anthony doesn't even get that last minute moment. But this whole episode, I want to say I like all the changes they made. I think it actually works really well. So um, I like that they got to spend the time together and I don't know if y'all noticed that Edmund was looking at lilacs for, mm-hmm. um, yes, yes. for Violet. And just mm-hmm. so, again, a book thing, Anthony knows that Kate has always smelled like violet, uh, lilac and soap, not lilac. Oh, it's so lovely. <laughs> I, love that yes. he, I love that it's the aroma of her that really attracts him. Yeah, because that's what book. he always talks yeah. about in the book. And you can smell where she's been because it's a particular it's a particular smell. But indeed, Edmund is picking these flowers. He wants to take some, some flowers into his lovely wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bee. Uh, he's brushing the bee away and he's talking and then he suddenly, this is so well done, he suddenly just stops talking with his back to Anthony Uh, and then he turns with that face, that uh, anaphylaxis face puffing, unable to breathe and falls to the ground into his son's arms. And, yes, uh, as you say, Sasha, this is an excellent change from the book so that he is actually there seeing Mm -hmm. the life draining out of of this man that he admires so much. Yeah. And this is, right, the big reason why he he doesn't want to marry for love 
because of everything that happens after. And honestly, what Violet had to go through, he's like, I don't want to love someone that much or have someone love me. And then me leave them because he can't imagine his life or yeah, like him going better or, you know, having any life that is better in any way, even if it's just quantity wise, greater than his dad. Um, and like it's so sad. Like that really, it just therapy would have been so great. Yeah. 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 Or or an EpiPen. <laughs> well. Yeah, if if only they had those back then. I know. I was like, did therapy come before EpiPens? I'm just gonna say yes. Uh, yes, therapy did come before. EpiPens. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So but yeah, I know. Yeah, I do. I do like the contrast of that versus well, you know, Daphne telling him like, oh, you know, dad, you know, dad got stung by the bee, and he's like, oh, well, a man can't die from a bee sting, and I'm like, Anthony, huh? Um. So I, I, I definitely liked this. Uh. I guess portrayal a lot better than from the book. So that's one thing that I um, agree about that they think they did well with this. And I think, you know, it's really important for us to have a really better, a better understanding of his relationship with his dad. So um, I'm glad that we got a lot of that in this episode. Yeah. And there's something in that moment too, of his helplessness. And we'll see it in a later scene where he feels utter, two more scenes where he feels utterly, overwhelmed utterly helpless he's only 18 but he's being expected now to be the man of the house and I think that we can understand some of his uh shut downness um just through and I think the actor does a really good job in all of these scenes as the young Anthony again not in looks but in his manner of this young man sort of adrift and trying to be the man that his father was at a time much earlier than he thought he was going to have to. But uh, the upshot, of course, is that Edmund dies. Um, Violet is distraught, very pregnant with Hyacinth at this point, and uh, all are sad, uh, as indeed are we, even though we've only known Edmund for a moment. Uh, we've known uh, Edmund and Violet for an entire season, and so we have our feelings towards them as we see part of their their backstory, let's say. But let's pop into the carriage that's uh, happily bringing the Sharmas and Lady Danbury to Aubrey Hall. They've been invited to spend a few days with the family before the rest of the ton arrives. And this is seen as something very special and meaningful in terms of Anthony's uh, attitude and intentions towards uh, Edwina. What did you think about this carriage scene, Geneva? I liked it. Um, I think that it, you know, I think you can kind of see, um, you know, Edwina is kind of at this point, she's like, you know, I'll wear, like, I can wear the pink silks at dinner. Do you think you'll like it? Um, you know, so I think, you know, she seems a bit like uh, worried about how she's assessed, how she, you know, portrayed. She knows that this is an important, um, you know, visit because it could potentially lead to a proposal. Um, and so I think she kind of feels that sort of, you know, pressure. Um, but, you know, I think everyone else around her is trying to reassure her and says, like, you know, you don't need to worry. Like, clearly, he's very interested in you if he invited us to spend time, you know, with the family. And, uh, you know, like, I think and even and even like Kate and, you know, and Lady Danbury and Mary all just kind of say, like, you know, I think you should also figure out if this is what you want in a match. It's not just about impressing him. He also needs to in turn impress you. Um, so I think that, you know, I think it's, 
I, I think a great scene to kind of see that dynamic of what they're all thinking going into it, because I think definitely it could be like, oh, we're being invited to, um, you know, spend some time, you know, at his like family home. That's like really big. So it's like, like, what are the implications of that? Or, you know, what might lead to us kind of, you know, being at Aubrey Hall and what that interaction will be like. Yeah, and this is, again, me the book truther, uh, is something different than the books, which, again, I liked because I think that they did move pretty quickly in the books with, like, them arriving and then all of a sudden all this mess happening. So, um, and I think that it helps kind of, like, the characters to get to know each other more and then us to get to know the characters. So that's also what I feel like it's important for me to give props since I've been dragging for so long yeah yeah no I absolutely agree I mean he's handsome he has money and he's titled I think Edwina knows her own value and she we've sort of praised Kate for her very practical mind I think Edwina also has a practical mind she's fully aware of the family situation even though Lady Mary and Kate have tried to shield her from it she's no dummy She's no dummy. She she knows what her role is, uh, and and is not unhappy to fulfil it. I think she's a smart cookie. Um, it's just that she's so unutterably pretty, and is able to say all the right things that to our ears, you know, sound a bit pat and sound a bit oversweet. But she knows what's expected of her, uh, and the pressure on a young woman, especially a young woman like her from a family with no money that she uses um, what 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 she has to you know get what the family needs. I think they're all I think they're all in on that. It's just they haven't again they haven't spoken to each other about it. If only these people would speak. And speaking of speaking, let's stop speaking for a moment and listen out for some ads. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. We're arriving at the door of Aubrey Hall and great excitement there. Yes, yes. Lots of excitement. They do a very nice job here of everybody coming out to greet the the new arrivals uh, and some wild lines, as we would say, where they chat and introduce and all of that. But the most important meeting, of course, is Kate moving herself apart from the rest of the group and looking up at this beautiful home. And she is met, of course, by Anthony. His plan to win her over is already working, according to Anthony, because she's smiling at the house. <laughs> Sorry, that yeah. was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> this plan is working. <laughs> yes. But what I love is that he says it to her. Talk about things not being said. These two are so frank with each other. You go, yes, just tell each other. He says, I'm planning to win you over so that I can marry your sister. And she's saying, well, I don't object, but you're going to have to, you know, come up with the goods for me to say yes. So their relationship is very frank. What isn't clear, because neither of them will recognise it, is that they're deeply attracted to each other. Mm. Well, <laughs> you know who does notice? Daphne. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that he's like, oh, so you're a Duena. And it's like, no, this is her sister, Miss Kate Sean. And then yeah. Daphne's like, what do you mean? Daphne's like, Bleh. She's like, well, why are you talking to the woman that is not the woman that you're supposedly trying to And why is that the to? first person you talk to? Because you love her. And why are you eating her up with your eyes? And why is she sparkling back at you? Surely this is the woman that you want to marry. I know. No. Daphne's literally the only person that understands the reality. Which, again, is not what it is in the books. Everyone knows they're into each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Eloise also finds Kate. They're both spirited, so we feel there might be a little bit of, a, um, of an alliance here. So we have a nice private scene between Anthony and Violet. Anthony asks for Violet's ring. And it's a very pretty little seed pearl ring. Violet has it for him but feels he's being too hasty, uh, whereas Anthony runs down the list of requirements for a Viscountess and says that Edwina basically ticks all the boxes. Not that he would say that. That's a contemporary phrase. But that's, in essence, what he's saying. But, you know, of course, his mom makes the point. It's like, well, you know, you know, it's you, you, you're you you're going a little fast. But then Anthony's like, but you've wanted me to get married for so long. So now you want me to wait? And it's like, but she's like, I want you to make sure. I don't want, I don't want you to. I'm not I don't want you to use my ring if you're not sure. So c- come on, like do it for love is what she's saying in so many words. But she's not going to say that. But, you know, and he's like, my ring, give it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he thinks he owns everything, and um, for the times, he does. You know, everything is his to colonize his mother's room, his mother's ring, uh, Edwina. Colonize, colonize, colonize. Um, but just as we are turning on him, 
we have a flashback to just after Edmund has died. Uh, Anthony, the young Anthony with the floppy fringe, is being pestered with questions about arrangements. He's being called my lord, which is really startling to him every time one of the servants or one of the people that works for them uh, calls him my lord. You can see it hitting him uh, in a very particular way. Violet's on the stairs, uh, sobbing and sobbing with her huge belly. Uh, she needs a doctor. He's being asked to make uh, all these decisions on behalf of the family because he is now the Viscount. Oh, this is like, I think, not more traumatic, but I think oh, it's just, it's so traumatic to see his mom deliver. Like, one, has he seen it before? Right. Like, is this the first child he's like understanding what delivery is and what scary delivery is? And then he has to literally make the decision about whether his mom lives or dies. Yeah. And the part that like was really, really sad to me was kind of when she was like, Edmund is his lordship. The choice is Edmund's. It could only be Edmund's because he loved me. He yes. loved me so much. This wouldn't even be a conversation because that kind of loved the answer. This choice would be obvious. And so like that, you know, that that kind of hurt. And especially because she's like, you know, like this is not your choice to make. It's mine. But, it, you know, it's become his choice, you know, because of the you know the power, the influence he has now, you know, as his dad is gone. And kind of even what, you know, Sarah, Sarah mentioned earlier, like he was trying to get that ring because that's now part of his possessions. And, you know, even so, like, you know, the room in which his mom was, you know, in like they have to move her stuff because now it belongs to him. So it's just a lot of that sort of stuff where it's like, you know, this child has now kind of, you know, be assumed so much responsibility um but also isn't even aware of what's going on because even at one point he's like oh i need to go outside and find out what is the issue is and then I'll and it's like and mom's like no this is what's going on yeah yeah uh, it, it's like the machinery of the estate moves on uh, mm -hmm. very smoothly they immediately call him my lord they immediately say he's the viscount they immediately appeal to him for all the um for all the answers to all their questions it's as if he is just a piece that gets slotted in when his father was slotted out. And it's through these a couple of, of very they're small but powerful, I think, flashbacks that we understand uh, more, more about him. But luckily we know, of course, because we have them here, that Violet and Hyacinth will survive this, this appalling uh, evening. Let's go to the Pall Mall being set up on the lawn. Daphne has to explain the rules to Edwina and Kate. So you put the little hoops up and you get your mallet and you whack your ball through the wickets. Uh, and you can either do that to win or there's another way to play. And the other way to play is to get in the way of your opponent so that your opponent loses. And there's a discussion as to which is the better way to play this game. Honestly, where your opponent loses. Like, mm -hmm. let's be honest. It is a poor player who plays the game and a wise one who plays their opponent. Mm, I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a professional bridge player for about ten years, oh, wow. and uh, you definitely play the you play your opponents uh, in in a way. I mean, you know that there's someone that will always lead an ace, so you just tickle it out from them. You know, someone who uh, will always play a certain way, and that part, the part of the rules of bridge are you are allowed to know uh, you're not playing against a machine. You are allowed to know how particular players play. So. Yes, I, I'm all for playing the opponent. 
And there's a delightful uh, moment of who gets to select the mallets in what order. And it's decided that the guests will select first. Edwina picks blue. Oh, a clever girl for picking blue. I mean, truly, the nonsense that this poor child, because of how she looks, is heaped on. Uh, So she picks blue. And Kate just reaches in and picks the black. (gasps) Gasp, the mallet of death. Oh, my God. Not the mallet of death. (laughs) The siblings say to Anthony, oh, oh, um, do you have a problem with that? Nope. 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 No problem. And uh, Kate says, oh, would you would you like to have it? No, 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 I don't need it. And you can tell he's absolutely furious because he wants the black one. It's, it's so clever. And she knows that some men, men can't perform without their familiar tools, like a child with a blanket. So she's like, you know. But then Anthony's like, oh, no, like I can play well with any mallet. I'm good. You know, I'm not that phased. Completely phased. It's brilliant. And then his siblings all jump in to get mallets and leave the pink one for Anthony. Which is again a super miss because Colin is the one that is setting it up. Um, and not only that, Colin actually hides a few mallets or one mallet so that he doesn't get it. So uh definitely a miss on their part, I feel like, because Colin is so much fun in that scene in the book and naturally Kate just goes for the same thing that Anthony would go for, which just foreshadowing, they are the same thing. Yes. They took out a lot of the fun that Colin um, had, I think in these moments, I, you know, they they brought in a tiny bit towards the end of this, but yeah, that was definitely missing slightly, but it's, it's okay. It's okay. Colin's still great. Oh, Colin, we love, we do love Colin, although there is quite a lot of talk about how boring he is with his stories. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether that's just the decision of the family is Colin is boring with his stories rather than this excited young man returning from having seen the most extraordinary things out of all comprehension for, for people of the time who hadn't been to go and to see these things, and especially as we find out later, a little bit enhanced by some wacky powders uh Mm -hmm. and they do not want to hear which i think is rather rude i mean eloise has said she stopped reading his letters which i think but they'd be so interesting (laughs) yeah i guess for them it's like well we can't see it anyway so he he could be making things up for all we know i don't know i hope hope he is yeah funny (laughs) i mean at this time uh, a platypus came back from australia and uh, nobody at the royal society in england would believe it was a it was a single animal they decided that it was a uh, a um, a body made up of three different animals that was made up to to fool them, and that it wasn't oh an actual. God. Humans are so dumb. Humans are <laughs> so like, dumb. Honestly, just so dumb. Like, what's and, wrong with us? Well, I mean, this is an effect uh, that a, a Japanese um, business writer calls the black swan effect. Uh, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but the idea that when uh, the English came to Australia and they saw black swans, they couldn't comprehend them because swans are white. So swans can only be white. So there is this dissonance in the brain that sees a black swan and says, well, that can't be anything. It, it, can't, it can't be because I only know the white swans. And so I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's not the property to delve into this kind of ideas of colonialism, but this may be an effect too that Colin's coming up against, that he wants to tell of these extraordinary things and his, his family and friends are not kind of in the mindset to hear them. 
Yeah, I think they're just jealous. And Eloise especially is being a super wet blanket. <laughs> she wishes she could go because he had the choice and she didn't. Mm-hmm. That's true. Just send so, her. God. Yeah, just send her. Just for heaven's sake, just send her. <laughs> so you put her in a put her in a pair of trousers and a hat and cut her hair and send her off. Um, <laughs> okay, Mulan. Yeah, was I literally <laughs> thinking that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's a proud tradition of people oh. disguising themselves and setting off into the world. My favorite animated movie. So, alas. <laughs> and that's another day. Another story for another day. So there's a montage of walking and clapping and general fun and everyone hitting balls and politely clapping and cheering and enjoying themselves. Uh, Benedict and Colin get a moment together. Benedict is distracted because he has applied to the Royal Academy School of Art, as we found out last episode when he met uh, an artist at uh, Will's new club. He has, in fact, applied and he's on tenterhooks because he is waiting to see if he has been accepted. Ooh, let's see what happens. Yeah, let's see what happens. I know. I was like, I don't want to ruin. No. <laughs> Even though everyone listening knows. But still. It's uh, like, I mean, what if oh they don't God. go? No. Stay tuned for about 10, 15. I know. You know that I know that you know that I know. <laughs> you yeah. Know. yeah. But as we watch it, we have to say, ooh, will he get accepted? We don't know because right. there's a world in which he doesn't and therefore because uh, the, the Royal Academy was very uh, conservative and traditional, so maybe there's a way that he would go off on a more bohemian bent. Let's see what happens. Um, Violet and Mary are talking about uh, Mary's daughters and how beautifully brought up they are. Lady Danbury arrives and they talk about the marriage mart and they talk about success in a very capitalistic way. Yeah. I mean, they do they do care for the young men and women, but it's also very capitalist. And now we have the brilliant moment. Kate has the opportunity to whack Anthony's ball into the bushes. Uh, Anthony is trying not to show that he's annoyed. Uh, Edwina whacks her own ball into the bushes. Um, Daphne says that she's welcome to retrieve the ball. But it's a it's a slightly odd moment where Edwina looks like she's scared to go into the bushes. I mean, she's in a very pretty dress with some very pretty shoes on, so she decides to cut out and uh, go and sit with the older women. Mm-hmm. But Anthony's no, I could come with you, and she's like, no, 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 it's okay. I think okay. some people just aren't competitive, and yeah. she is a hundred percent. She's there for the vibes, and I think <laughs> the Bridgerton family is not one for vibes, which is amazing, and what I would want to marry into. Um, but I'm also married to someone that isn't really competitive, so. The struggle is real, Sam. Let me tell you. <laughs> How frustrating. Well, you're the yeah. competitive one for the both of you. It's bad. That's why I always make sure he's not on the same team as me. <laughs> Does he know that? Yes. We've like had to figure out like, okay, how do I, Sasha, become like better at not just like being a jerk? And and how does he also get a thicker skin? <laughs> but also, couldn't competitiveness come with being on opposite teams? The rivalry? No, because when we're together, I yell at him. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, and I'm like, sure. you're just okay. doing it all wrong. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've like body checked people, like in the game of charades. Like it's not a joke <laughs> for me. <laughs> Games are not. <laughs> Are you that person that uh, polices even the slightest yes. of a noise or a grunt yes. or a? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Noted. 
Yeah, I'm very annoying. That's why I like to host games now. I've decided. Oh, that's very grown up of you. Yeah, because and listen, you don't want to be on the team with me, but you definitely don't want to be against me. Oh. So it's a win-win <laughs> or lose-lose for everyone. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, that's why I really just appreciated watching this, and I appreciate the moment um, that Violet and Edmund have built this family, right, where they're able to really just create so much love that they don't have to constantly quote unquote be in the rules of it all and rules of society like they can kind of just be normal for a lack of better word I think there needs to be a better word but you know um actually abnormal for this time and it, it's it's just so nice to watch and and the game just I think happens to be the medium of that and I wish they had the Duke show up because in the book. I just wish he just came for this scene. I know because I was like, hello, you couldn't just give him this much. He couldn't give us this much. I mean, he, he didn't have a huge, he wasn't a huge presence in the scene. No, anyway, he really. wasn't. And like, it's fine. But I was like, I wouldn't have mind like seeing them be competitive with each other. That would have been fun. Regachon is elsewhere. I know. Doing other things. He's fine. So Colin in a little burst of, of book-like Colin, very Yay. naughtily whacks Kate's ball into the same bushes that Anthony's ball went into. One cannot help but think that this is deliberate. And he innocently suggests that they go and collect their balls. <laughs> Again, I'm just trying so hard not to laugh. Well, you can laugh. <laughs> you can yeah, laugh, just, though. I love them, and they're <laughs> so silly. Um Oh but I gosh, mean that in the best great. way possible. But they're, they're just so silly. They're, they're clambering through the brush. Uh, she's not squealing or holding back. She's, in fact, leading the way. They're going under trees and over trees and through bushes. She's being very unladylike. And, of course, surprise, surprise, their balls are sitting side by side on a piece of boggy ground. They look at them. Kate suggests they pluck them out and no one would know. And Anthony says no, his honour would not allow him. And quite apart from anything else, she'd tell on him <laughs> when they got back, which is such a great line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, she she decides to go in that mud. Um, and, you know, she's like, you know, but, you know, we, we you don't have to continue this unless... You don't wish to get any, uh, you know, to dirty your fine, those fine boots of yours. And he's like, do not worry about my boots. And then she gets stuck. And then ugh, I was just like, this is a disaster. And then so she's like, help. And then, you know, and he's like, just pull. And she's like, I'm trying. And then there's just like this whole, it was just this whole thing. And then, of course, they, you know, both fall over into the mud. The thing that even if you hadn't read the book, uh, if you've ever watched television before, as soon as you see the balls on the, on the bog, you know they're both going in. There's no way that they're not both going in. So they make us wait for that moment, but it's quite delicious because we know it's coming and they laugh together. It's really charming. Oh, it's just, it's so cute because this is the first time, even though, again, like I said in the books, like we get it a few times that they're constantly having this push and pull. But, you know, in the show, it's I at least feel like it's constant push. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's almost like, oh, I don't know why I'm into her. But um, this time it really feels like a push and pull for once. And they're very much leaning into the silliness because they're both 
the oldest and that affects almost everything they do. So I just, oh, finally, they're giving us what we want. Gosh darn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they made us wait two and a half episodes. How right? dare they? We'd, we'd had bums and, and boobs by this time in in season one. We've had, I suppose we've had a couple of bums in the first episode, uh, Anthony, as he climbed in and out of the beds of his paramours. Um, so they finally have a, a very straightforward chat. Uh, Anthony says he's underestimated her and asks how he can win her approval and she says she's protecting her sister as he is protecting his and they agree to put the acrimony behind them. It is a truce. Um, so this is what we, we the Watchers, have wanted to get to and I hope they don't fall back from this. Spoiler alert, I've watched ahead, they do. Um, so she she uh, waxes ball into some bushes and he completely changes. Uh, the ball has gone towards a bench and he leaves. He doesn't want to go there. She goes there and it is the memorial to Edmund, which is a very nice way of her being allowed to understand something about him, to see that distinct change in him from teasing, light, laughing, uh, enjoyment of a, of a sort of beginning friendship to being completely shut down, what could it possibly be? And so she sees the memorial to his father in the garden uh, where he doesn't want to go and she's a smart cookie. She knows what she's looking at and she knows why it was affecting him. Yeah. It, this is where, again, I think it does a really beautiful job of bringing his fears to life without necessarily narrating them. So I appreciated that because I think that's a really hard moment that they had to bring to life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we see a completely different Anthony with a Sharma sister as he and Edwina chat over tea. Uh, Lady Danbury and uh, Lady Bridgerton drinking tea and and stitching embroidery, uh, are listening in, and Edwina is perfect, absolutely perfect. She's so pretty. She's so attentive. She's light. She's slightly teasing, but in a very allowable way, and she says all the right things. He's completely charmed by her, as would any of us be, but we get the feeling where is the there there? Where is what is there? Um, what were you thinking about um, Edwina at this moment, Sasha? Oh, my God. And this is where, again, I'm screaming at the TV because everyone knows, right, that they have something going on because it's just – the chemistry leaps off the pages per se but everyone's just like have blinders on um and poor Edwina because I think again that's your sister that's your confidant that's someone that's your ride or die right like she has told everyone this everyone has to like Kate and Kate has to approve of you that's the only way this is going to work so I don't think she is thinking anything of it which is very just unfortunate very unfortunate, that's for sure. Mm, yeah. I mean, she has her hopes up um, very much. She tells him of her love of literature. He doesn't read and she finds this exciting because she can tell him stories. And we can see that in another time, in another place, you know, this could this could be okay. It's just we have hopes for all of them, including Edwina. 
And then that moment where Edwina goes to Kate and and the confidant of the two sisters, he's funny, he's intelligent, there were no awkward pauses, and then she truly believes a proposal will come out of this and Lady Danbury is listening at the door and being absolutely delighted. It's so sad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Very sad considering what we know. But it was, you know, at first it was a cute scene. I, you know, I was like, oh, maybe something could come of this. Even though I obviously know that it wouldn't really. But, you know, I was just like, oh, this is cute. But, yeah. I think what I liked in both the writing and the acting of it is we can see that Edwina is putting this on. It is her. She is a lovely, Mm -hmm. sweet, pretty girl. But she is putting it on. She is watching her every word. She is calculating. Not she's calculating in a bad way, but she's calculating what to say how to tilt her face. It's what she's been taught and it's how she understands her value and we can see how that will really hurt her uh, later on in the episode. So at first I was uh, annoyed with her as a sort of, come on, girl, you know, talk talk real, talk proper, talk truth. And then I thought, ah, yes, you know, the show is not uh, letting her down but actually showing us that she is as trapped by these mores as uh, yes. anybody else is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. when I'm jumping, but I think it's okay. Um, when they, when Anthony Wright doesn't propose at dinner that Benedict is really high at, I think <laughs> that you know, and then it goes to Kate massaging oil in her hair, mm-hmm. uh, which is. A, exactly a very nice nod to Indian families because that's very much something that happens I still do it um with coconut oil in my hair uh especially when I'm stressed but you can tell that that's the first time I think Kate notices right Sarah what you were saying Sarah that Edwina does have the world on her shoulder um especially their world um, because her marriage, right? She's their last hope because she's the diamond. She's so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And that's what's making it so hard. Yeah, and it's this awful breakdown that she has of what did I do wrong? Should I have said this? Should I have said that? Should I have? And bringing it all up on herself, that she's bungled it, she feels like a fool. And this is completely heartbreaking to see. Mm-hmm. And it's it's beautiful that it's this moment between the two sisters um, with the head the oil massage of the head uh, going with it. It's, um, yeah, it's really heartbreaking. And Kate says what any of us would say, which is you're really pretty and there's plenty more fish in the sea. <laughs> exactly. Although I feel like, you know, at first it seemed like, oh, this is the obvious moment where it should have happened. But then, like, reflecting on it, and, I, you know, I think kind of Anthony also alludes this later, like, was it really the best moment? I mean, Benedict was a lot. Like... <laughs> Benedict was off his tits, basically. Like, oh my god, he had lost it. Like, I mm, the seriousness so- of Edwina's like future with Benedict is just, oh my god, what are we doing? It's yeah. not. It, it would not. It would not be the most the the, the cutest romantic uh, ideal proposal situation, considering what was happening. Now, again, I think with the timing, you know, it was expected, and he was literally saying it like, oh, you know, I would like to ask you. So it's like, well, what what else are you going to want to ask? And it's like, to please refrain from telling anyone back in London about yesterday's loss. It's like, why would you announce it like that? Yeah. Everybody knows as everybody was... uh was was holding their breath and you wonder if his conversation with Daphne just prior to the dinner had anything to do with it. Daphne of course says that um, 
she will support him and she's very happy for him if Edwina has won his heart um, and Anthony knows her very well, asks what her objections are and Daphne says, well, none. If, if the girl is truly one in whose presence you cannot think or feel that it's impossible to look away from her body and soul, feel they could burst into flames when they're near, you long to kiss them. She describes oh, it's obviously her relationship with Simon, mm-hmm. but what any of us would want in that first uh, blush of um, lust and love and infatuation, which um, I hope we've all been through because it's absolutely delicious. And if you haven't been through it, go out and get it. It's fun. Um and Anthony says he couldn't have described it better himself, and we know that this is a complete pants-on-fire moment, but I wonder if Daphne has, I don't know why I'm suddenly calling her Daphne, her name is Daphne, uh, <laughs> whether she has got into his head here about what love could be. Uh, we know that he's shut down and he doesn't um, he doesn't expect that for himself. Yeah, he's not looking for love, so he's like, oh, okay, so that that's what I should be uh, looking for. Okay, well, solid. Found it. Yep. Tick, tick, I tick. mean, not, Got not it. with Edwina, but maybe, but or maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't I don't see that I don't see that happening, but no, he's got it. Yep. Nope. Got it. Yes. Love. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got it. That's how he is, and that's how he shall remain unless somebody cracks him open and we'll see if uh, somebody can do that. Um, Yeah, as we've alluded to, uh, Colin, and there's a lot of tea having in this this episode, and I appreciated that because I like a good cup of tea. Um, Colin pops a few little grains of something into the tea for Benedict to open his mind. Uh, Benedict, a many a new drug user, would do the same, takes a sip and says, well, no, nothing. <laughs> it's like, give it a moment, man. He's so uptight. Uh, so he decides to dump a huge amount into his tea and we will see throughout the evening that he goes on a very, very nice uh, trip uh, culminating in the dinner party where his, his uh, brothers and sisters are more amused than anything else. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Colin said the one effect it had on him was he was meditating for hours and upon a single blade of grass. But, you know, I think it, it had a, it definitely had a different effect on Benedict, probably maybe because Benedict had a bit more. Um, so that was, uh, I think, quite uh, very amusing to witness. Like, just I don't know, just the things that he was he was saying or he's just like well, at the beginning of the dinner. He's like, this room is exceptionally well lit. Have you noticed, Carl, the twinkle of the ca- candles is as if we sit among the stars. And Eloise is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and there's just an image of him when something else is happening at the dinner where he's just eat- chewing his food with such such curiosity and amazement at this mouthful of food. Oh, it was very sweet. I mean, not that I've ever taken drugs, but if I had, I would know exactly how he felt. <laughs> And he spilled, oh spilled that he spilled that drink all over the place. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is a moment." He's having a very nice time. <laughs> definitely, it's definitely. Hilarious! Like even as a dr- like even if you've drank a little too much, you can't get it together. So I can't imagine that whole powder that man put in his tea. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's quite yeah. Crazy. Mm. Where do you think you can get it? I mean, um, moving on to the next scene. Uh, I, I think it's way diluted <laughs> oh, in 2022. 
<laughs> it's been stepped on in 2022, I believe. Yeah, that's exactly. It. It's, a drug, it's a drug term, isn't it? You young folk can tell me. No. Um, there's a lovely scene of Kate on the terrace by herself. It's such a beautiful framing uh, as she sits there with a small table in a chair. She brings out her um, damask uh, drawstring bag of spices and she makes chai for herself. I'm assuming this is chai, Sasha. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's so lovely. And Eloise, um, perhaps the person closest to her in terms of spirit and standing outside the norms of society, doesn't quite join her, doesn't quite leave her alone, sort of hovers. I think Eloise is very good at identifying these people that can mentor her or these people that she can take advice from, but she doesn't quite know how to approach them. Um, but Kate is very kind to her and it's this very straightforward uh, discussion about be there being room for them at the edge of things, those that don't fulfil society's expectations. Yeah, yeah, I just couldn't help but laugh, I will say, um, about the whole chai situation because she's been dragging English tea forever and two words have not been spoken, right? Like if you see all the spices she put and then the milk that goes in after, it's just it's those little, again, nuances that I just, I appreciate that they brought um, to this because, listen, we're all better if we drink that over, like, quote-unquote, English tea. Like, no shade, <laughs> but all the tea. Yes, all the tea. Bring all it to the work. tea, no shade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, Kate just basically mentioned, well, the world is not exactly welcoming to an unmarried woman. Um, so. Even though, you know, I guess Eloise is like, oh, well, maybe, maybe there's, you know, hope because you seem to be okay. But it's like, mm, you know, um, which also made me think of that uh, conversation between Lady Danbury and Kate, um, you know, being content. But in reality, it's like, well, Lady Danbury lived all her, you know, her life before she's gotten to the point of where she's at. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I thought that was an interesting parallel. Mm-hmm. Right? That's exactly what I thought of Geneva. I agree. I was like, not this happening again. <laughs> but it's happening the other way around where yeah. Kate is the one being appealed to by somebody who's exploring that that might be the life that, that she has. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you recommend it. We have our final uh, flashback where we see uh, Anthony now. The fringe has gone. He's more in charge of the house, but he's still an 18-year-old boy finding Violet sitting, stitching, saying, I slept, I bathed, I went for a walk, I saw the children, and now I'm making myself useful because she's stitching. She's saying that she's doing the best that she can. So I think this is the grief that Anthony carries with him when he says, I don't want to put anybody through that. Yes, the screaming and the crying and the terrible, frightening birth where a decision has to be made, that's all very traumatic. But we understand that he had to live with his mother in this completely understandable zombie state while he, the 18-year-old, was bringing up six other children and a baby who's just been born. Uh, And Violet actually says to him the words that you shouldn't say to any child of yours that Hyacinth did not do her the kindness of killing her. Uh, And this is a heavy burden to put on this young man and Anthony will later say to her in the present, you forget that time, but I remember every single moment of it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's just it's so hard because um because this whole moment, right? You really just pray that your kids or you know people that you have under you aren't watching everything like you can just be, but it's so obvious that Violet just like didn't have the room to grieve because look at what you know you like effed up your kid because of it yes and now in the present she asks him mm-hmm. you know why do you have a wall up it's like well because duh you, <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong oh no right when she talks no, about no, how, no. how she didn't no. die during childbirth like how can you say that to your 18 year old child mm. Exactly. I mean, oh, leaving yeah. leaving eight of them alone, that would put them in an extraordinary thing to do. And it's so, her grief is so deep. It's a, it's beautifully acted by, by our Violet as she sits there completely drained and empty. And we know her as this lively, fun, slightly coquettish, um, you know, loving the rumble and tumble and everything of, of having this large family. That's what we've known. And we see her in a very zombie state here. And no doubt the doctor of the day would have given her some uh, laudanum, something like that, to push away the emotions in a way that we don't like to do now. Um, And it's quite a harsh thing when he says, I saw what you went through. You know, I saw it all. And you can see that she carries that with her to this day. So I like the layers there. Yeah. And I mean, I know she keeps saying to like, oh, well, your father loved. So, you know, you shouldn't have these walls up and things like that. But it's also like, well, we just saw this flashback. You were just talking about all the, you know, all the stuff where, you know, you how you were struggling. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like not knowing what his, you know, fate will be. It's just kind of like, you know, what if I would leave someone like that and, you know, and, and I die and that sort of thing. It's just like, you know, you won't necessarily want your partner to go through that and deal with all that grief. So there's just like, I think, you know, it's like a lot of things where it's like, yeah, you know, ideally you would, he would not, you know, he would want to, I guess, have that. But it's just there's so many fears, especially after seeing kind of like how she, you know, had dealt with it, which of course it's, you know, definitely tough um, to lose someone. And then, you know, especially also that she's had the challenge of also, you know, she has, eight children too um so there's a lot lot of children it's a lot of children yeah it's a lot of children um it's interesting that he fears dying and leaving someone else in grief he doesn't fear them dying and him being in grief it's a very interesting sort of Mm -hmm. psychological bent that Mm -hmm. he has he will be the one that dies and he will be the one that inflicts the pain on someone and he's not prepared to do it which is why when lady danbury calls for the toast at dinner uh, he stands and, as we say, he says, I have a question to ask you. Don't tell anyone in London about my losses at Pall Mall uh, and devastating Edwina, as we've said. And the last thing of the evening is Ben having a marvellous time, Benedict having a marvellous time, painting with his fingers completely off his face. Uh, Colin comes to find him. He declares that the Royal Academy is not the arbiter of taste, but the world will be. And Eloise brings him his letter from the Royal Academy saying he has a place. And he flings open the window and screams into the night, you shall all witness my talent. (laughs) (laughs) Which was like so extra. I was just like, are you okay? (laughs) 
he was just a lot. Okay. He like he was like he kissed Colin on the cheek. You know, he's just all this sort of stuff. I was just like, okay, Ben. Like, I don't know really what was in this tea, but it was just so. It was just I don't know. It's just it was funny. Um, definitely a lot of uh, you know. And he's like, oh, I'm honored to accept your acceptance. I'm like, who are you talking to? He's talking to the academy. For the oh evening. I know, Bo. I mean, <laughs> or he thinks he's talking to the academy. I guess. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. She probably won't feel very well soon. That's, oh my God, that's exactly what I was about to ask. Um, Because he was just, the way he's acting, I was like, are you still on it? Yeah, I think he's got an Ecky Tuesday coming that's going to be very Mm -hmm. unpleasant. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting how, um, you know, Colin and Eloise's conversation, Colin's inquiring about, uh, uh, I uh, formerly Miss Thompson and now Lady Crane. Um, so that was interesting. He was wondering if they're not always, you know, writing letters to each other. And she's like, "Well, he lives. She lives not far from here, you know." That is so messy. Stay out I, of it, Colin. Why Stay out of it? Did you do this. That mm-hmm. was horrible. Oh my gosh! I, got I so hate even the idea of him going to see her. And of course, I don't know what happens or whether he does or not. <clears throat> but I hate the whole idea of of this happening. Um, but I mean, it's been interesting because Colin has seemed to be the older brother to Benedict during this um, period when Benedict's on his little trip. But we see in this questioning about Marina and the fact that she's married and he still is asking about her, we see that he is still a young man with a broken heart. Poor Colin. Poor Colin of the television series, not the light-hearted, hilarious Colin of the books. Right, because in the book I was like, ooh, is Colin going to get with Kate or Edwina? Like that's how involved Yeah, that, that's is. where I was like, ooh, okay, maybe something else is going to happen. Here. Yeah, but... so that's how involved he was. And here it's like, poof. Yeah. He's just all of them they've just like watered down their characters it's except Eloise they've like they've like you know Space Jam right well they suck all the talent and give it to the aliens it's like they've sucked all all of their like depth and given it to Eloise and uh, (laughs) Lady Danbury and Mm -hmm. Daphne and the Queen oh yeah yeah. because poor Lady Mary who we've barely mentioned is barely there barely there Mary I wish they gave you more of a storyline she had more well oh my god or just kill her just have oh. <laughs> just have her have her be dead i mean have her be dead i right? suppose they they want oh. the you know the backstory of her being the diamond of the season and knowing the queen and all of that but we've got enough balls in the air thanks we've but got I, enough balls yeah. being whacked into bushes thanks. i mean i don't i don't wish death upon lady mary but i just i i guess they might as well have written her out if they weren't going to really utilize her because like they basically gave lady ba- danbury that role um so that's kind of what was i think very weird i think yeah for me and now we come to the scene that we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for kate finds uh, anthony walking in the gardens in the morning um, Edwina's not feeling her best. Uh, Anthony did not mean to disappoint her, but please assure her that I do intend to declare myself fine. Kate's a bit annoyed. She's toying with her. They start getting annoyed with each other. A bee comes near Kate. Anthony's very frightened. She brushes it off. It stings her. He's worried. She's annoyed. He has a Are panic you hurt? attack. Can you so breathe? So she puts his hand on the sting 
which is at her collar, not down a bit lower, everybody. It's up at her collar. Mm. He's still panting in his panic. She puts her hand on his heart, which is a very nice thing to do for someone, and they pant in each other's faces. They're very, very close. The violins of the soundtrack absolutely love it. They're very, very close. They nearly kiss and then (laughs) a horse whinnies. run away. And they run away. Again, we have to, this is where um, I want to say, here's the thing. Two things, sorry, I want to say. First, first, I was very disappointed, but, but my feelings have now changed. So Yeah, I think the first time I watched it, I was like, uh, but this time I was like, okay, it's fine. Yeah, because he tries to, he sucks the venom out of it. Because that's apparently what happens when a bee stings you. But anyway, that's what he tries to do. Her dress comes undone. And, you know, they get discovered by Featherington, uh, by by all the the moms. And Lady Featherington is one of the three instead of Danbury, basically. And then they have to marry because of that. Yeah, because Lady Featherington is like... uh something's going on here so right and anthony i think really likes her anyway so he's like yeah yeah i'm just gonna do it um we'll, we'll do it in a week or whatever yeah. yeah but um i will say that i was reading a voter recap um from this episode and i forgot that you know she really says stop anthony stop anthony stop stop mm-hmm. stop so i really think that consent we like would we have to have that conversation about consent you yeah. know, with what he was doing and that that um, article was saying, you know, like they got a lot of flack for it from season one about consent. So I wonder if that's why they took it out. And then I was like, oh, my God, not me being a hypocrite, because I was like, how dare they not mm-hmm. have this scene in? Right. But then I think about how silly and actually uncomfortable it might actually look mm-hmm. on screen if she was saying no to it because she had to literally put a handkerchief on her boob um right i read one article that had mentioned that they didn't want to do a similar plot line where the two leads get caught by somebody which would result in them getting married because i feel like you know since that obviously kind of happened with season one so i think they were just trying to change it up a bit so it's not the same idea even though obviously it was different because it involved the bee and then of course Anthony was worried because the bee could kill Kate and so then Mm. he was freaking out and was you know um and like as we talked about in the books he tries to suck the venom out and then obviously that looks super awkward because then people are like oh no you're like you're like down her breasts like that sort of thing and then she's like no he's not and they're like you guys got to get married and it's like what um so I think it was more maybe just they felt like even though it wasn't the same story, they just wanted the story to be slightly different, which is why they took a different route yeah. with it. But I do think the point that you do make is quite interesting because that was actually one thing as I was watching the second time. I was like, she keeps saying like, no, like, like stop, stop. It's okay. Yeah. Like, it, it's like, it's just kind of, it's just kind of like, you know, interesting because, you know, of course, like we know why Anthony is freaking out because of this whole B thing. But then Kate's just like, it's a B, like, like why don't you chill but also i'd probably i mean i don't know i i don't want a bee to ever sting me so i'm I'm usually the one running away from a bee so you know i feel that Um, yeah because i don't want to kill a bee if you run away it'll it'll come with you because of your slipstream 
Don't run away. Well, from bees. they they okay. they haven't they haven't they haven't gotten me, so yeah, I've yeah. been okay. Just, just, just I know, I know. That's that's just, what be, they just say. just let them just let them be. Um, yeah, what I, I, I like I about this been... by my ear, so that's that's the thing. I you're not a flower. They don't. They're not interested in you. They're like sharks. They're not interested in. Well, you. they pretend to be interested <laughs> in me. Apparently, so. are you wearing blue? They like blue. Um, blue I don't know. I I, I don't think I, I. It depends on the day. I'm not always wearing blue, but. <laughs> what I liked about this scene very much was his obvious distress, his panting, his wild eyes, and her seeing him. So we go right back to the beginning of the episode where Edmund said, "If you know, you know, people must see you at their worst, at your worst, in order to really know you." She sees that there's distress there. She sees that he's not being, he's not importuning her. He's not being ridiculous. He's not trying to do something to her. He's actually in a panicked, feeling, emotional state, and she calms him so beautifully. And she's so kind and understanding once she realizes what's happening um I really like that exchange between them and with that loving way that she was looking at, at him the care with which she held his hand put her hand on his heart to to help him to calm down there was a real flash of understanding between them and the reason that they ran apart is this cannot happen this cannot happen <laughs> Yeah, that moment was so it was so beautiful. I don't I don't know what it was. Just trying to see her, you know, reassure him, and just seeing how like how nervous he is. He's like, I, I don't want her to die because I I care for you so much. I burn for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but you know, like, <laughs> but like that sort of thing. And so I think it was just like you know, she's like, I'm unharmed. Like I'm unharmed. There's just a bee. Of course, that means so much more to Anthony than it does to Kate. Um, but just seeing how much, like, you know, she was trying to calm him down and seeing how much that he cared and how much, you know, even though they've had these, of course, you know, these little fights and things going on, of course, like, you know, seeing this moment where they kind of just stop. I think it was just, I don't know. I just, I just loved it personally. Yeah. And I think again because we maybe we should talk about it later but yeah yeah okay there's one other piece but I think we'll talk about it after the Aubrey Hall like scenes in general maybe in the next two episodes but um there's another Kate's fear that actually happens before this which is why this is a more beautiful moment I want to say because they show Kate's fear and then it's Anthony's fear and then Kate you know and him mm -hmm. like kind of calming down together so it works a little better like that way but I think so I and they don't really show Kate's fear at yeah. all which is weird but I just the, the heart um heartbeat thing is just so beautiful it was so beautiful to watch I love this for them mm -hmm. they just need to figure out that um that they're made for each other and that's why he proposes to her in the next episode uh, no, that's not what happens. Sad. <laughs> if you want to find out what happens in the next episode, listen for our next drop. But for now, is there anything more to say about this uh, one as we wrap up? No, we just had Newton content. I love that. We did have yeah. some Newton content. Yes, uh, Newton is a very good judge of character and Newton barks at Anthony and growls mm -hmm. at Anthony and doesn't want anything to do with Anthony. And I just love Newton for that. <laughs> oh, Me <yeah>. too. <laughs> That's why when earlier when you guys were like, Daphne, I said Newton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 
Newton knows what's going on. So, uh, Geneva, where can people follow you and what have you got going on? Yeah, people can find me at Peace Love Jen on Twitter, where I tweet about reality TV and random things in my life. So, currently about Survivor 42, um, also about uh, Big Brother Canada, also about The Courtship, also about Temptation Island. And any other random shows that are going on or that will be premiering soon. I know Netflix also has a lot of um, love reality dating show content. So I will definitely be checking that out. And you can also find me on Silent Podcast from time to time where I will podcast with some people. But I also do stuff behind the scenes uploading that content. And you can find us on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Awesome. And what about you, Sasha? And you can find me on Twitter at funsize underscore 04 and over on Silent Podcast and um, RHAP wrap up soon. <gasps> and what about you, Sarah? Ooh. Ooh. We can't wait to hear the news. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready, everybody. It's really exciting. Uh, you can follow me at Sarah Carradine on Twitter. I don't hold back with uh, telling you everything that I'm doing. Uh, on RHAP, I have a new true crime review podcast with Murray Forth. It's called Crime Scene, S-E-E-N, and we bring you True Crime Tuesdays. So we have a new episode every Tuesday talking about a crime scene property. It could be current. It could be a classic with some really fascinating guests. And I hope that you will listen and bring me some of those five stars. you got yes. plenty of stars. Spread them around. Please stars bring us like more five-star star reviews. <laughs> Give us the some stars. reviews, y'all. The stars that were in uh, the sky in the middle of the dining room for Benedict as he tripped his little face off. So until we see you again next time, goodbye now. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.